Blog Talk Radio. Well, as usual, as usual for me, the intro doesn't start. You would think <laughs> after five years that we'd eventually get this damn thing to work correctly. But no, just ain't going to happen. So, well, hold, hold on, hold on. I could start with our new song, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, for Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Hallelujah. As long as that's where oh, you're well. going with hallelujah, that's fine. Because um, I'm that's certainly not good. singing any other – well, considering the guy who originally sung uh, – who, who sung hallelujah, Leonard Cohen died this week and certainly was not a great oh. seven days for uh, for most – for well, most of us on the Northeast anyway. Um, welcome to the show. Well, we're not a so, political show. So we are so, not. So we can't be commenting on politics. It, it's not in our. In, it's not in our way, unless we're talking about the malfeasance of owning the New Jersey Generals, which one Donald J. Trump did about thirty years, forty years ago. We can talk about that. Yeah. But other than the malfeasance and stupidity that was Donald Trump forty years ago, we can't talk about Donald Trump today, forty years ago with the malfeasance. Should we talk about the malfeasance and stupidity of the New York Jets? We can do that. that. That's not malfeasance. Wait, but here's the thing. That's not malfeasance and stupidity. That's just It's just incompetence. I mean, (laughs) it's incompetence. I mean, it it, is. Look, the last game, hold on. The last game that I remember being 9-6 to was Dean Biasucci and the Indianapolis Colts beating the Jets 9-6. to six. And I think that was in 1983. And even Jake is not enjoying the thought of the New, Jer- New Jersey. That's when they were the New Jersey Jets. Wow. Yeah, even Lady Jake is Jeff- crying at the discussion, discussing the New York Jets. <laughs> because, Seriously. you know, you we... You said last week that you thought Todd Bowles was in trouble, especially if they didn't win their next two games. You know, when you talk about a game, as much as a, of a gimme of a game as you're going to really get, you know, the Rams. Now, I, I do have to thank Peter Elysio. I don't usually thank too many people on the show. Peter is an old friend and a diehard Jets fan with season tickets, who supposedly this was the game I was supposed to, I was supposed to go with him to. And I'm quite pleased that at the last minute he was able to – he pulled the – he told me there was no extra ticket. Because the idea of sitting through, through three hours of that is well, beyond, any, is well beyond anything that I could have handled. Hallelujah. 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 Anyway. So, yeah, the, the Jets – yeah, Todd Bowles' job is in a lot of trouble. But you know what the thing is? The defense played well. You give up well, nine the defense points, played well against the Yeah, I agree. But the defense played well against the worst offense in the NFL. Uh, it, I mean, it, the offense is so good that after a win, they're replacing their, their quarterback. As it's been announced that Jared Goff's going to start next weekend. So, sure. you know, we're not talking, you know, that they, they – I mean, Bryce Petty comes in, throws for a touchdown. Nick Falk misses the extra point. You know, you're you're looking – I mean, we talked about it, that this team is now, you know, now their season is over. If there was any hope, it is now dead. 
Agreed. So, but in the question true, being, wait, what, in, true, in, in true Jets fashion, they are not in the top five right now. They are picking fifth. Well, they're in the top five. They're picking fifth. So they can't be bad enough that they're going to get a top three pick. No. They, in, in this type of draft, they have to be five or six or seven, and that's what's going to happen. They're going to be – I absolutely believe they will beat the Patriots one out of the two games. I always do. So they're going to win five or six games. Right now they're three and seven. They're going to win five or six games. I thoroughly believe they'll win two more games, at least. So if they win two or three games, they're, again, six, seven, eight in the league and no better off than where they've been in the past. And they can't just be one in 15. And remember the last time that they were one in 15, a guy like Peyton Manning, or a guy not like Peyton Manning, but a guy named Peyton Manning, Decided, hey, I want to go back to Tennessee instead of playing in New York. Yeah, uh, that guy. We know that wouldn't have changed too much. So, <laughs> wow, so, really? Talk- Come on, that would <laughs> But somebody so did anyway. post on my Facebook. Somebody did post on my Facebook coming to two thousand, coming to the two thousand seventeen Jets. One Tony Romo, because Tony Romo well, will it. not be playing in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, he had he had his uh, press conference today where you know he he decided he stated that he would happily you know accept a backup job for the remainder of the year from, with, with Dak Prescott, and you had to assume that he would. Prescott's a, probably a top five MVP candidate. Um, the problem is him going to the Jets doesn't really help the situation. It's it's a stop as as good a quarterback as Tony Romo has been over the years. It's a, certainly a stopgap measure, measure at best, and a quarter. He's the kind of quarterback you take for a team that's eight and eight and needs a you know needs that extra push to make the playoffs or something along those lines. This team doesn't really have that feel. Again, this may be a bit of a flukish year, but considering you know the stories we've heard about Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson, really not exactly living living up to the leadership that they, that's been bestowed upon them. Who knows what happened? How much of this team gets dismantled really quick after the year? Hey, you okay. No um, argument for me. Absolutely no argument. That's a, for that's, me. A, that's, a, that's, a, that's a change. Well, look, they are not a good team. I mean, it's that simple. And I will tell you more than anything, though, they miss Eric Decker. And you never want to say that one injury totals an entire offense or one injury totals an entire defense. But the lack of your security blanket, which is what Eric Decker was in the slot, is a big loss. Coupled with the DeBrickishaw Ferguson retirement, Nick Mangold getting hurt, Ryan Clady getting hurt. Look, the Jets have nothing on injuries compared to a team such as Minnesota, which lost Adrian Peterson, seems like their entire offensive line, and Teddy Bridgewater. But they did bring Sam Sam Bradford in. They did bring a couple of other people in to replace those guys. The Jets haven't been able to do that. And part of that stems from the fact that they have so much money on their defense and they don't spend a whole lot on their offense. So other than their skill, 
skilled players such as Marshall, Decker, Mangold, they have it in like the top five. So unlike, unlike the winning teams, and by the winning teams I say the Patriots and the Steelers and some, some teams like that, the Jets are, are very top-heavy in their salary structure, and there's really no middle class. Wait, did I say squeezing out the middle? No, this is not a political argument. Forget that. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be getting the call soon. Um, call in 760-283-0846 as the subtle anger continues. Um, yeah, they are you know, talking about last night. Lord Giants. Giants I mean, how how can a team have so many turnovers? Actually, the most turnovers in NFL history going into last night, and still be over five hundred. Not only are they, they really? five hundred, they're in the playoffs right now. Playoffs? You're talking about playoffs? Playoffs. Talking playoffs. But right now, if the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. That's uncanny. <laughs> this is a team with absolutely no running game. They were averaging under 70 yards a game on the ground going into last night. And, I, look, I fell asleep in the second quarter. That was as boring a game as I can remember other than the 9-6 to six Jets game. Apparently you haven't watched too much football. Apparently you haven't watched too much football this year. If this was boring, I have to tell you, Seth. Part of the reason why it's boring to watch a Giants game, and look, this may be me, but there is no, there is no surprise in their game plan whatsoever. They are going to run the ball and get two yards. That's it. First down. Run the ball and get two yards. Rashard Jennings. Any of their three running backs, four running backs that they have, will get at probably 2.4 yards if you could do that on the field on first down. So now you have. So now you have do they get the pick white? Do they get the white picket fence also? Right, right. So you have a second down and long, and on second down and long, Eli Manning throws a pass that gets almost picked off, but not picked off. So he comes back and he has third and long. And you know that they're not going to run the ball because if they run the ball, they're just going to be at fourth and five because they average 2.3 to 2.5 yards a carry <laughs> and they'll wind up at fourth and five. So here we are at third and six, third and seven, wait, third and 7.6, and they have to throw. And not only do I know it, not only do you know it, but the whole Bengals defense knows it. Because they have no running game. So now they have no Victor Cruz. So there are really only two guys that can run more than seven yards in a straight line on the Giants. And that's Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard. So, yeah, you see, you see, Jake doesn't like the Giants offense either. (laughs) So instead of Larry Janelle, wait. So instead of Larry Donnell, who can run more than seven yards in a straight line, but can't hold on to the ball if he does get the ball more than seven yards in a straight line, we call him Stonehenge. We now have two weapons which they can double team. I agree. 
ladies and gentlemen, well, Jake. Yeah, yeah, we're here. We're just <laughs> listening to Jake. So yeah, well, so sorry about that. He, is, he's watching Marilyn lose to Georgetown right now. He's a little depressed. It is a very boring offense to watch when the Giants do throw the ball. And when they do throw it, they're lucky to get 10, 20 yards to Odell Beckham. And we repeat. It's like rinse and repeat. It's like on the back of a shampoo bottle. It's the same <laughs> offense all the time. Can you tell me I'm wrong in any of that? No. Um, the Mar- Giants offense. Now, the one, the one thing I will say is – I I think they have some hope with Paul Perkins. I really do. Who had a decent, you know, he's a rookie, his fifth, fifth round pick out of UCLA. Um, I think there's some talent there. I think he's the eventual starter. That being said, their offensive line is putrid. Putrid. Wait, he's the offensive starter. He's going to be the starter. So does that mean that he can Her- get two point seven or two point eight yards? Hoping- I'm hoping for three point. I'm hoping for three point one. I'm hoping for three point one yards, just like my uh, just like my first round pick, Todd Gurley's averaging this year. So see, here's the thing: if you took the Giants' passing game and put it with the Jets' running game, you'd have a complete offense. Well, no, wait a minute. You have you 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 have Brandon Marshall, who yeah, but we have no quarterback. No, we have no well, guy to get him the ball. So if you take the uh, the passing offense of the Giants and put it with the running offense of the Jets, you have one complete offense that might actually win a playoff game. Well, that's it. Because, I mean, this team this team is six and three, and there you know, give them some credit simply because I don't no idea how this team is six and three. It seems like every team, every close game that they've lost over the last. Every close game they've lost over the last two years. Uh, remember when, when, when my life was calm and easy? Um, no. They're winning this year. Never. <laughs> so, anyway, they're winning this year, and then they play the next two weeks. I believe they play the Bears and the Browns. So they're looking at eight and three and how this team can be eight and three is incomprehensible to me, but they're a team in a very bad NFC where it looks like it's Dallas and Seattle and then everybody else. Is it really beyond the realm of them winning a playoff game? Well, here's, here's even more. So Dallas next week, look, goes to the Ravens. Okay, they could, they'll probably win that. They might win it. They might lose that game. So if the Giants are 8-3, and three, and I'm looking at Dallas plays the week after. Hold on. Oh, they play the Redskins in Dallas on Thanksgiving, so I'll give them a win there. So they can conceivably be the top wild card after week 12. What are you doing? It sounds like. Yep, crying baby in one hand, phone in the other. This is why I try and usually manipulate the feedings. Couldn't be done. I apologize for our listeners. Um, but anyway. Why? Wait, wait, so, yeah, wait, wait. You have nipples. We can milk them, right? 
I mean, what? just like just like his meat just like a cat. Yeah, <laughs> just like a cat. <laughs> meat the uh, Come on. Well, now that Maryland has taken the lead over <laughs> over Georgetown three minutes ago, Jake our boy is a little bit calmer. He's a little bit calmer. So anyway, so so let me ask you this: What has happened? To the Green Bay Packers. I mean, if we're looking for disappointments in the league, I think Green Bay and Mike McCarthy have to be up at the top of the list. Did I lose you? Wow, that was interesting. I think I lost that. Hopefully we're still on the air. Anyway. Okay, here we go. No, here we go. I'm back. He's back. This is a team. So I'm back. I know how much you've missed me. Uh, this is a team that over the last year, really, they never seem to have recovered from the Jordy Nelson injury from last year. They had five or six good games, and then they just completely collapsed. They have no run. Now, to be fair, they have no running game. They're starting running back for all intents and purposes is a converted wideout in Ty Montgomery. Defense has never been great. And whether their offensive line is taking a step back or Aaron Rodgers is just is not the same quarterback he was, although that seems strange to me. Um, they're a team that has just been, you know, they're just extraordinarily disappointing. A team that we thought would have a relatively easy run to the playoffs is really falling apart. And I'm wondering after eight or nine years, like actually I think it's been 10 years, whether Mike McCarthy has kind of run his gambit, uh, run his time out in Green Bay. The only problem is I now compare everyone to Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher has been coaching for 23 years, 22 years. He has four winning seasons. He still coaches. So I really can't figure out why, when anyone ever gets fired. Wait, but is that fair? So Jeff Fisher is only in, only still has a job because the Rams moved, in my opinion. Uh, if, if the Rams had stayed in St. Louis, I think he would have lost his job because he supposedly has experience with teams that move, such as the one that moved from Houston to Nashville, which was also his team. So is it really fair to compare people to him? Because if you look around the rest of the league, is anybody else in the same type of situation? Is anybody else in a job that they probably shouldn't be and haven't been for a long time? The only guys that I can compare him to would be John Fox, but John Fox won a, made it to a Super Bowl, but so did Jeff Fisher. I mean, a long time ago, but still made it to a Super Bowl. I'm going down the list of, of, of coaches. I don't see anybody else that fits that realm, do you? No, I mean, Marvin Lewis has been there for 11 years, but this feels like the first year where he may have lost the team. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um. I can't think of anyone else. Fisher is really, it's kind of, it's an anomaly. I'm trying to think through other sports, you know, managers that are coaches that have just been there forever. And in hockey, you would know better than I would, but yeah, it is. I mean, he, he went to a Super Bowl in 99 with the Oilers or with the Titans, excuse me. And really been about it that I can think of, you know, where there's teams being relevant. I mean, if you're looking at guys in other sports, you can compare them to Mike Sosha, 
of the Angels, but Mike Sosa, Sosa won, Sosa won a World Series. No, I agree. He won one. But other than that, he's been mediocre. Yeah, so but they've gone to the playoffs, other, I think, a couple other years. Okay. That's, true? That's Not fair. true? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, other guys, John Gibbons has gone to a couple of, of playoffs, never gone to a World Series, has been actually recycled by the same team. You can say Terry Collins is in that in that spectrum for the Jets. Oh, for the Jets. For the Mets, they're all the same to me. They all stink. You could say <laughs> Dusty Baker is in you could say Dusty Baker is actually in there. He's gone to a World Series. That's true. But I don't think Dusty's like Dusty's managerial record, he's had one, two, three, four, five, five first places in give or take twenty three years. Yeah, he's made the playoffs about... one, two, three, four, five, <clears throat> six, seven, eight eight times in twenty three years he's made the playoffs. Well, that's probably the closest correlation that we're gonna come up with. Um but, you know, and again, part of, to be fair, Fisher's been with the Rams for, I guess, six, seven, eight years at this point. They've never really had great talent. They've never had a really top quarterback, which was the idea of Goff. But, you know, their defense has always been solid, and, and Fisher is known as a defensive guy. Of course, they've used all their picks, Michael Brackens, uh, Aaron Donald, um, Robert Quinn. You know, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting a couple. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some names. But... You know, on the defensive end, you know, Todd Gurley was the exception to the rules, as was Tavon Austin. But he's not the GM. But he has not been able to develop any kind of offense, really, other than when he had, well, Eddie George and, and Steve McNair. And that was 20 years ago. Well, you can um, say the Robert Griffin the third deal, which should have put – the Rams in a situation where they would be set up for the next 10 years just did not pan out. I mean, they got yeah. a haul in that deal. Don't, don't get me wrong. Well, they, they got a lot they of first-round picks. I think. A lot of, well, here's and what Brackens they got. Brackens has been so very, got, very good. They got Brackens. They got Janoris Jenkins. They got uh, – hold on. I'm looking at the rest. Stedman Daly, unfortunately, right? So he uh, was not able to um, – he, he, here's who they got. Greg Robinson, who did not pan out, the number two pick in the draft. Alec Ogletree, who's their starting middle linebacker. Stedman Daly, who's on the IR and probably will never play again. He got shot in the head. Zach Stacy, who flamed out. Michael Brockers, who still plays for them. Janoris Jenkins, who plays for your football giants. Isaiah Pede, who does not play for them anymore. He plays for, I believe, Miami. And Rokavius Watkins, who I don't even know who that is. So they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys. And if you had to say starting players, they got three out of the eight. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's for need. three first-round picks. That's three first-round picks and a second-round pick. That, that's unless you need the GM. So, you know, and we, we see where that, you know, we look at that, that division, 
And at one point, the Niners were probably the best team in football. At one point, you know, the last couple of years, Arizona has been in the running for the best team in football. Seattle's, if not the best team in football right now, they certainly were a couple of years ago. The one constant has been seeing the Rams mired in, in that six, six, between six and 10, eight and eight mediocrity. And there's nothing to think that that's going to change anytime in the near future. But on some more, on some more no. interesting things. No. Well, I was just going to say, especially since they just gave up how many picks for Jared Goff, right? So the Jared Goff deal is basically the Robert Griffith deal in reverse. They traded six total picks to the Titans to get Goff. So it's basically, they, unless Goff pans out and becomes a great quarterback, they're in a lot of trouble. Anyway, moving and then, on. And then Go you look ahead. at and then you look at you look at Tennessee, which kind of brings us back to the initial part of the conversation. The Titans, Mar- Marcus Mariota, is playing almost as well as any quarterback in football right now. You know, we you know this this is a team that's still without a really number one wide out, although a very nice pickup by Mr. Palmer with Richard Ma- uh, Matthews. But you know, a solid running game between a revitalized Demarco Murray and Derrick Henry. A, b- a better offensive line, and Mike Malarkey, who everyone g- gave a lot of grief for, for keeping this job, is suddenly it's looking like they look like the best team in that division. And even at, at a minimum, if they don't win the division and make the playoffs, this is a team that looks certainly on the upswing going forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, no question about it. They definitely have a good, solid foundation. Remember, Malarkey got the job after Wisenhunt was um, was canned last year. So he was the interim guy, and then he all of a sudden became the the, the guy. And a lot of credit to Jason Michael. Uh, Jason Michael was the tight end of the San Diego Chargers when Wisenhunt was there and pretty much groomed and worked with uh, Philip Rivers, he's become the offensive coordinator for the Titans. And he's done a terrific job with Mariota. I mean, Mariota has been, from the guy that has kept Mariota on the bench the last three weeks in fantasy football, including this week, and survived with wins, Teddy Robowski, offensive coordinator, I mean, they have done a very, very good job, and all credit to Wait, Russ Wait, did you say Graham. Terry Rubisky? Did you say Jason Michael or Terry Rubisky? Terry Rubisky is the old, Sorry, old Washington Redskins. Michael was Mike. Michael was there last year. Rubisky's there this year. Okay. So Rubisky's the offensive coordinator this year, but but Michael's the one that really started with Mariota and Sylvester Croom. If you remember him from Alabama, is the running backs coach. Sure. They have a great. They have some great coaches. But no more – oh, I'm sorry, Jason Michael is the quarterback's coach. That's what I was trying to get at. So he is still working with Mariota. But the big difference between last year and this year, or over the last couple of years, is you're seeing at the running game. And guess who the, guess who the, the offensive line coach is for the Tennessee Titans? Is it Bruce Matthews? It's Russ Grimm. Hall of Famer Russ Grimm. Yeah. And you wonder, 
when you get guys like Russ Grimm or Bill Freilich or Tom Crable over in Seattle, when you get good offensive line guys, they can patch together offensive lines. And you saw it no better than with Seattle on Sunday night, which was the best game that I've seen this year. And that is right after the Pittsburgh-Dallas game, which was if you the best didn't game hear you saw this year before that. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't hear of Ezekiel Elliott before that, you know of Ezekiel Elliott now. <laughs> I mean, wow, uh, what a talent. But again, Ezekiel Elliott's only part of the equation. As every team that has won an, won an NFL and Super Bowl championship in the last 10 years can, can attest to, and New England does the same thing, bringing their guy, I can't, Dante, I can't remember their, their offensive uh, line coach. When you have a good offensive line, you could do a lot in this game. And that's the only reason, in fact, the only reason I see the Giants perhaps winning a playoff game is their offensive and defensive lines, in spite of the injuries, played very well last night. They kept Eli Manning upright. They played very well last night, but the offensive line, for the most part, for the Giants has been has been pretty has been disastrous. Um, it is, yeah, it is, it is, a, it is not exactly a gratifying six and three, but I'll take what we can get. As you said, the games of the year, as bad as football has been, and it, and obviously, as we know, the ratings have been down. Now that may be because of the election, that may be because of just oversaturation of football, but. The games were good yesterday and the, on, on Sunday, excuse me, and the ratings came back accordingly. Seattle, in an ironic twist, beating New England on a fourth quarter stand, thirty-one uh, twenty-four. Are they? You consider them or Dallas the favorite right now in the in the NFC? If Russell Wilson is healthy, like he was last, on Sunday night. And remember, they played that game without Michael Bennett, who's the best defensive player probably in the NFC, if not in the NFL. They're the best team. Seattle's the best team. And they're only going to get better. They're getting Rawls back probably in a week, a week and a half. They're the best team in the NFL. Dallas is a good team. Dallas is a very young team. They have yet to go through adversity. Uh, Look, our guy Jason Witten played a hell of a game, but I still see them as a. If if you can shut down the running game, they are a one-trick pony, on for for passing the ball. It's Des Bryant or nobody, and if you get good linebackers, look, Dallas did a good job of shutting down Cole Beasley, shutting down Terrence Williams. Des, Des, uh, excuse me, Des Bryant got open a couple of times, but that was the Ezekiel Elliott show. Pittsburgh just couldn't stop the run. If you get a team that can stop the run, and I think Seattle can stop the run, that would be a great, great NFC championship game, Seattle going to Dallas or the other way around. Well, again, we're talking a little bit early. Let's see how Dallas plays out. We've seen Seattle for the last three or four years been consistently the best team in football, along with New England. They've proven themselves. Dallas still has a long way to go. Interesting comments by Ben Roethlisberger after the Pittsburgh game. You know, we're talking about whether Mike 
McCarthy has run his course in, in Dallas, excuse me, in Green Bay. Mike Tomlin, you know, the coach for the last 10 years in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is a team, is, 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 a, is an organization that just breeds continue, you know, continuity, everything along those lines. But he was making comments that this team is undisciplined. You know, this is Roethlisberger. This is a team that's lost four in a row. Is there any chance? No, Pittsburgh is not similar to the Giants. Pittsburgh has not gone to the playoffs. I don't believe in the last couple of years, or they've taken kind of a downturn. Is this is Mike Tomlin in any sort of trouble? Okay, so Ben Roethlisberger wasn't the only guy that did that. James Harrison did it too. So one guy in the offense, one guy on the defense, and Harrison called the defense quote quite terrible. There is no chance that Mike Tomlin is in trouble. None. Absolutely none. I mean, I'm going to go look up Bill Cower's stats. I know that Bill Cower actually had some losing season. Hold on a second. So Cower went 7-9, and 6-10. He went 6-10 and 10 twice, 7-9 and nine once, and 8-8 eight and eight once. So if he can do that and he won one Super Bowl and that was – what, 13 years after he started? Tomlin's got nothing. You really think Tomlin has anything to worry about? Come on. Probably I mean, not. I'm you, actually looking at the stats. No, no, no. I was asking your opinion. I don't think, and my stats were completely off because I am, well, uh, obviously they went 10 and 6 last year. They haven't won a playoff game in five years. That's the better way to put it. Um, they, lost to the Steel- they lost to Denver last year. And if you remember, they played extremely well. Um, and could very well have won the game. I believe Roethlisberger was knocked out, or he didn't play. They lost to Baltimore uh, two years earlier, and Baltimore-Pittsburgh is always just a battle, whatever you want to call it. And then two years before that, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm not saying this. You know, this. I don't think that he should be fired. I think he's the best coach in the NFL, or he's up right up there uh, with Belichick and with, uh, with, Har- with, Har- with John Harbaugh and Pete Carroll. But no, this to me the team has never has never had a losing season under him. I don't think you can fire him, but there is there is some worry yeah, when you I mean, have a guy like Harrison, who's making these comments. Well, or you can make the case that James Harrison is thirty nine years old and maybe he's part of the problem. Could very well. He be played sure. very well. Look, he played well, but that team is not the youngest team in the league by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe they need some more youth. They couldn't stop the run at all. I mean, there was – and when he says undisciplined, well, you're right. That face mask on Jason Witten cost them the game. Absolutely cost them the game. That was an undisciplined play, I believe, by Artie Burns. Who's a rookie? No, it was by Sean Davis, know. the second round pick. Oh, the second round Sorry. pick from from my beloved Maryland Terrapins. Um, by the way, also, by the way, Seth, the the Steelers won a, a playoff game last year. They went one and one. They lost to the Broncos in the divisional game. They won the wild card. The playoff. They did win the wild card. My oh, against that awful game against Cincinnati, um, which yep. Um, so we followed that with, as you said, probably the best game of the year where I saw part of it. New England, uh, Seattle, I'm not going to say redeeming. I'm not going to say getting revenge because I don't think a regular season game ever constitutes revenge. Um, 
over a Super Bowl championship, but it must have been a little bit gratifying for Pete Carroll to have the four, to have the goal line stand uh, to end the game in the last ten seconds. In the last ten seconds, uh, again in New England. So you know Seattle up to seven, I think seven and three. New England, New England just cruising cruising through the season at this point. Um, it does feel like the NFL, you know, the NFL took a little bit of a turn last week where the caliber looked, it seemed like better, of course, unless you watch the Jets-Rams game. It felt like better football. Well, there were better games. There were better matchups. But the teams that suck still suck. And the teams that are boring are still boring. And you're not going to change that no matter what. I mean, they were actually talking about flexing out the Jets-Patriots game from Sunday night of Thanksgiving. If I'm NBC, I don't want that game. That game's going to be like 45-3 to three if the Jets are lucky now, to get three. Now, to be fair, Sean, does this bring back bad memories with the last time the Jets played oh, the Patriots stop. on Thanksgiving? Stop, stop, stop now. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> For those so of you week, who have not listened to the show over the years, of course, I'm talking about the infamous butt fumble, where Sean was at my family's house for Thanksgiving, and when my father and I couldn't stop laughing after the play, he just got up and left. So, <laughs> and by leave, wait, and by leave, Seth means walk out the door to his house, get in my car, and go home. <laughs> Not just leave the room. I left. When they say Elvis left the building, well, Sean left the building too. I was in no mood. But anyway, the NFL is lucky. This week they have the Packers and Redskins on Sunday night and the Texans and Raiders. The Raiders, one of the great stories, uh, are on Monday night in Mexico. Uh, The first game in Mexico, I believe, in 11 years. And it's an interesting piece by Darren Rovell, who I went to camp with, and um, that's how I know him and his brother, on ESPN about why the NFL is not is looking towards a team in London but can't even think about looking towards a team in Mexico, especially if the players have to jump over a wall in order to get there. But, well, that, well, or yeah, it, I mean, it, may now be a, it may now be a fence. And God knows we can't – right. no one ever tunnels under fences. But this is not a, this right. is not a show. Political show. Then next week, the NFL is lucky again, has the Chiefs at the Broncos, and the Chiefs seem to not be able to lose. They're 17-2 and two in their last 19 games. Uh, that's on Sunday night. And then Monday they have the Packers and the Eagles, which you could call the Doug Peterson Bowl. But a, a good matchup. Like, these are two very good matchups as the – as the weeks get, oh, 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 forget that. Forget I said that. Monday, December 5th, we can call it the Dean Biasucci Bowl. The Colts come to, come to the Meadowlands and Giant Stadium to play the Jets on Monday Night Football. My God. I'm going st- to start camping out now for tickets. Peter, come back. I was actually thinking Peter. about it. Peter, uh, I'll take my extra ticket for that game. That would be awesome. All day just waiting for the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andrew Luck extravaganza. Ugh, can't wait. 
jumping from the sublime to the ridiculous, we were talking about, okay, we were talking about how college football, uh, you know, that we were down, we were down to five or six teams and all these, it was pretty much set. And then Saturday happened. Clemson loses at home to Pittsburgh. Michigan loses to Iowa. Washington gets beat up by USC. And suddenly it is truly Alabama and then everybody else. And there is now a huge cluster beep going in. Now they, they announced, I guess they announced it today. I haven't looked to see what the, uh, to see what, what the new college football playoff rankings are. Cause it doesn't really matter at this point, but as my team lost again by 50, I, I'm not sure how Syracuse did. What they were lost. your thoughts? You know, on, okay. What were your thoughts on, on Sunday when you saw, when you saw all this? Well, I was looking at the college football rankings first, and I'm seeing the AP ranking. Hold on, college football rankings. Let's see. I just got home, so I can see this. Um, nope, they have not come out yet. They will come out, I believe, at 8 o'clock. So we'll see that later. Um, I thought chaos is wonderful. Can Alabama please lose as well, along with Clemson? Well, Clemson didn't lose. So can Alabama please lose so that way – everybody's got a loss, and this is a complete chaotic mess. I have wanted this for so long. I want every team to have at least one loss, preferably two losses. And then somebody who explains to me what the difference is between number four and number five. Because there won't be one. I'm well, waiting for that to happen. I was hoping that, I'm hoping that, I was hoping that would happen in the BCS. It didn't. Now I'm just hoping it happens now. Well, Alabama has a pretty easy game next week. Then they play Auburn in the Iron Bowl, which, while not easy, is certainly they would certainly be favored. It may be an overwhelming favorite to win the SEC title, probably over Tennessee. You look at the rest of the teams, and it gets really, really interesting. Clemson is still, I believe, is going to probably be number three or number four. They they are still the favorite to win the ACC. Louisville, who they beat, is going to probably be is only has one loss and could very well go eleven and one. So you're looking at those two teams. Your Washington is still the favorite to win the Pac-10 at eleven and one. I did kind of dis- this is not an East Coast bias thing, but I believe their schedule is about their out of conference schedule is something like 120th out of 128. Um, and for who? So you're not for who? Washington. Washington. Washington is 65th. They had something. Maybe it was just the out-of-conference schedule. Oh, the horror, that's probably the out-of-conference schedule. Yep, that's probably the out-of-conference schedule. Yep. So, because obviously when you're playing here's Stanford my, and Oregon, okay. What's your thought? So, here's my better question. Western Michigan is 10-0. and 0. Yep. They played Toledo now, Thursday granted, night. Or Saturday night, excuse me. Now, granted, the, their strength of schedule is 112. I get that. But do they have any shot if they run the table? No. no. None. No. No shot. Look at their schedule. So they, said, they, and they beat who I'm is the, be, who is the best team that Western Michigan has beaten? Um, Illinois. Exactly. They're they're looking at a uh, at a bowl of, at one of the three or four backup main bowls. The group is at the group of six bowls. 
where they would be, they would be, they would certainly be there, but there is no chance that they, you know, when we were years ago, when we had TCU and, and we had um, Boise state, these teams beat and Utah. teams, Houston and Utah and Houston, you know, Houston this year in the beginning of the year where it looked like this could happen, um, where they beat Oklahoma, Western Michigan hasn't beaten anybody. And, you know, that's why I, I just don't see it. I don't see it now. You know, I, I look through, and it's so interesting. You know, Ohio State's going to probably be ranked number two in in the uh, in the in the playoff at this point, but there's a very good chance that they have no chance of going to the conference championship. Um, but Penn State may go. Penn State has two losses. Michigan is Michigan still controls its destiny. You, I mean, you're, I still think at the end of the day, the teams really haven't changed. Just everyone took a step back. If I was going to do my Agreed. top four right now. Right now, it's Alabama, uh, Ohio State, Clemson, Louisville, and probably Michigan. Five. Wait, it, I'm sorry. It does look like the the rankings came out because Clemson is now five. So Alabama is one, Ohio State is two, Louisville is three, Michigan is four, Clemson five, Wisconsin six, Washington drops to seven. Interesting. Now. But Clemson, there, there Clemson are some, with, um, please. Oh, wait a second. Yeah. Now there are some interesting notes here. So West West Virginia is eight and one, right? Yeah. They're behind three eight and two teams. There is no they're they're in the SEC. So they would face Alabama in a in a championship game. No, 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 no. Yes. They're not. West Virginia is not. In the oh, they're in the, West Virginia is in the Big Twelve. They're in the Big Twelve. Sorry, they're in the Big Twelve. They play, but there is no championship. They play Oklahoma. Right. They play Oklahoma on Saturday, which is probably the biggest game of the week, the weekend, because Oklahoma okay. has won so seven in a row. Right. So Oklahoma is eighth right now. They beat Oklahoma. Do they have a shot? I think so. It would have, but you look at their. It would be difficult. You have to look at their out of conference schedule again. Who have they beaten? And I'm well, actually looking Seth, to see who they beaten because I don't. I don't think it's a matter of. I don't think it's a matter of that. I think it's a matter of Penn State. Like, how does the rest of the how does the rest of the season go for these? Michigan plays Ohio State, so one of those two is going to wind up with two losses, right? Because they're yes. both nine and one. Wisconsin yeah. is probably going to win their side of the bracket. If Penn State yeah. somehow pulls off a win against Ohio State, they're going to meet Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. No, Neither no, Michigan nor have, Ohio. No, no, no. Penn State doesn't have to beat Penn State's not Penn State beat Ohio State already. Sorry. What happens is if Ohio so, State beats Michigan, Penn State goes in Penn State beats Rutgers and Michigan State, Penn State goes to right, the right. So that would, I would think, well, so, and Wisconsin's Wisconsin, on that on the other side, right? So you'd have Penn State, Wisconsin in your Big Twelve, Big Ten championship. Now, if Penn State beats Wisconsin, okay, Wisconsin being number six right now, Penn State being number nine, the, the Big Ten could conceivably have two teams in this top four. Uh, I don't know. Um, I thought they could with Ohio State and Michigan. I 
Well, they do right now with I Ohio think the best, State and Michigan. Well, no, you. Uh, well, but that one's going to drop. Whoever drop, loses the game drops out. Um, but right. the best chance I see of that happening is Ohio State beats Michigan, and then Wisconsin beats Penn State. You'd also have to have some more things happen. I mean, I think Wisconsin is again is the highest of the two the two lost teams. I think you may need to have Louisville lose. You may need to have you may need to have potentially Washington Washington versus Wisconsin would be very interesting to see who they would take. Because as I said, I think they would probably still go with Washington. Um, I don't think they want to go with a two loss team if they can help it unless they've beaten overwhelmingly good teams. Now, Wisconsin has – they're lost to Ohio State in overtime. They beat LSU. I'm trying to think off the top of my head who else. But they ha, they've had some very good wins. They beat Nebraska. Um, Wisconsin has beaten LSU. They beat and they Michigan lost, they lost State. To Michigan. Michi- well, Michigan State's no, awful. They, they beat, no, not at the time, though. Michigan State was eighth overall. Right, but Michigan State is now in 10th place in the Big Ten this year. Even though they were eighth, they were nowhere probably near near as good. So the only two teams that they have lost to are the number four team and the number two team in the country. Right. So they've beaten two top ten teams. And now, or LSU was 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 top ten, but it was the first game of the season. But the the LSU is looking win is looking better and better. They've also beat Nebraska when Nebraska was undefeated. So they've had some nice wins. I don't know who they would jump. Again, it would depend on how many you look at. Would you take a West Virginia team who really hasn't beaten anyone at a conference, but wins the conference over Wisconsin? That wins the Big Twelve, Big Ten, probably. Um, I don't know. I really don't. It's it is pretty chaotic, pretty chaotic to say the least. And what's fun about it is there's four weeks left to go. And most likely, it's not going to get clearer. This looks like it's just going to, going to be a big cluster because there's really no one should, no one should beat some, you know, Michigan, Ohio State's one's going to knock themselves out. Washington very well could lose again, whether it's to Washington State in the Apple Cup, as Washington State's been very good this year, and, and, or it could be to potentially USC in a rematch in the uh, Pac-10 championship. And USC is not going with three losses. The SEC has no one but Alabama, period. The ACC has Louisville and Florida State. Louisville, excuse me, and, and, um, and Clemson. Louisville could lose to Houston on Thursday night. Clemson has not really been great this year. They just haven't been. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts to this right now. So it should be fun. It'll be fun to see how it plays out over the next few weeks. Well, here's my next question. Who has the most to gain in the Heisman Trophy in the next couple of weeks? And who has the who's in the lead right now, and who's got the most to gain? Uh, Lamar Jackson's still in the lead. Um, okay. I think the player. I think the player with the most. There's two names that come to mind. I there's a few names that come to mind. I should say. I think you. I think J T. Barrett at Ohio State potentially. Because he has a, you have to look at someone who's got one huge game left. I think you have, I don't think Jabril Peppers is going to get there. I just don't. 
maybe you look at the freshman quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't think of him as a Heisman candidate, but I guess it's, you know, he's going to be, he'll be playing Auburn. They'll be playing, they usually pick before the SEC title game. Right now, it is kind of, it's a very weird year where there's just nobody who's overwhelming you. Lamar Jackson has been the best player in football. He's had a couple bad games. I mean, even last week against Wake Forest, they were, they were scoreless at the half and they were down going into the fourth. Now, the offensive talent is so overwhelming that they ended up scoring 35 points in the fourth quarter and they won by 30. But I don't know. I mean, I, it's a very, very weird year in that regard. Baker Mayfield's kind of making a comeback down in Oklahoma. So is their, court, their wide receiver uh, name is escaping me. Danelle Pumphrey out in San Diego State may run for 2,000 yards. But who the hell ever sees, well, San Diego State football? I think it's Lamar Johnson's to lose. But I, there are still a lot of good players with big high 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 networking high network games high level games where a huge performance could push them over the top. Okay, that's fair. So something happened the other day. Actually, happened yesterday. That utterly surprised me. Butch Davis has reappeared. He is now going to be the coach for Florida International University. Are you surprised? Are you shocked? Or are you appalled? Or are you just, this is just the way it works? I would just, just, it's just the way it works. At the end of the day, Butch Davis is a football coach. He hasn't coached in many years for a variety of reasons, which we all know about. This is the way he knows the Florida recruiting scene. Most look, you look at most of these guys who become announcers, they all want to be coaches again. You don't think Mac Brown would kill for another coaching job or you know, any of the, you know, when Bob Davey was, was doing, was doing some of the broadcasting, I think he was broadcasting Notre Dame and he left to become the coach of New Mexico. You know, these guys, when you're a football coach, you are a football coach and that's just what it is. So that Florida international okay. team, what do you say? Okay, but Seth, that's not why I'd be surprised. I'm surprised that somebody would hire the idiot. I'd be surprised that somebody would hire a guy like this who went through the stuff at North Carolina, who went through the stuff in Cleveland and then resigned, who went through the, the allegations he's a, in Miami. He's a name. He's a name in Florida International desperate to build something. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying, you know, how many of these guys have committed umpteenth number of infractions and, and have gotten away with it or found it, got another coaching job or found Jesus and was, and was, and was saved, was a born-again Christian. It's all crap, and we know it. These guys want publicity. They want wins. They want people. They want – and Davis is the best candidate to do that down in Florida. I'm not surprised. I kind of roll my eyes at it just because this is just the way it is. I mean, I am I, – I got no words when I saw that happen. I was basically – I was on the appalled spectrum rather than anything else. Okay. <laughs> we got five minutes to go. I, I, I just was. Okay. We, he, he's Jeff Fisher all over again. Um, we got five minutes to go, so I'll go first. It is not something that is very deep like last year, like last week. Um, 
This is more hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah for both Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Thank you very much for once again proving that Seth and I were right in keeping you for one more year. And we'll, as Seth said, this is why you keep keeping these two guys. It, it seems like Seth and I seem to have like $13 left at the end of the auction. So next year, that $13, will, five of which will go to Le'Veon Bell and five of which will go to Antonio Brown at the beginning, which will allow us to keep them again. Second hallelujah. Thank the Lord that college basketball is here. Syracuse up at halftime, 49-23 to 23 over Holy Cross. And next Saturday, and I will prime this more next week on our Thanksgiving show, uh, I will be playing and tooting my horn with the Syracuse University Alumni Band once again <laughs> at Barclays. That is, meta- that, is, uh, that, that is not a metaphor for those of you who are wondering. No, this is actually playing the trombone. A week from Saturday at Barclays, Come out, see Syracuse play uh, South Carolina. Go ahead, Seth. You're up. Maryland up 43-40 in the grudge match against Georgetown with 14 to go right now. Um, I think we right. were missed. You know, it's not, we're not a show that talks too much about uh, UFC, but New York City had their first UFC uh, card, and it was probably one of the biggest in history. Uh, McGregor, Conor McGregor is the first person to win two championships the whole two two championships simultaneously. Great light uh, light weight, uh, great welterweight championship fight uh, between Tyrone Woodley and Stephen Thompson. UFC 205 sold more merchandise than any card in the organization's history. He wants a piece of the company. I don't think he's going to get it, but it will be <laughs> interesting to see how everything go how everything goes from there. Um, for the UFC, which has had a horrible couple a horrible year, really. Other than McGregor, um, this is this is kind of the saving grace, and we'll see how it play. We'll see, you know, how it goes into the end of the year when we have Ronda Rousey fighting for the title uh, on New Year's Eve. Yes, college basketball is back. Uh, we have Michigan State, Kentucky on right now. We have Duke, Kansas later tonight. We have Kansas, Kentucky next week. Enjoy the first week or two of college basketball. It's great because these are when all the big out of conference games happen. Um, you know, as I said, my, my Maryland boys are playing Georgetown. They're going to be at Barclays next weekend. So hopefully Jake will be at his first Maryland, at his first Maryland game and crying a little bit less during it. But we'll see how it goes. Um, but next week, just, you know, more of it. We got, we, got, we got to talk a little bit of NBA. You have James Harden, some Russell Westbrook, uh, some Clay Thompson trade rumors to the Celtics, which is interesting, though I don't really see it happening. Uh, we'll hit on that a little bit more. But that that's next week, and we're our time is up. We'll talk next week for Sean Palmer. This is Seth Cameron's on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show, backsportspage.com. If it ever comes back up again, blog talk on blog talk radio. Do, download us off of uh, iTunes. Have a good have a good night, everybody. <laughs>